cash. How do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Straight Cash Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Graff, thrilled to be joined today by John Krasinski, whose attention we have undivided on the Vikings right now before the Timberwolves get going. Uh, he and I are, are seated up at the top of U.S. Bank Stadium right now, looking down at the field where the Vikings completed a pretty boring kind of dry 34-14 to 14 win. I mean, on the one hand, you win by 20 points. You got to be thrilled with that. On the other hand, I, I don't know the last time that I covered a game this boring, if I can be perfectly honest. I, I don't know how what you think, but I thought it was pretty boring. It was uh, not the most exciting, that's for sure. Uh, so be sure, uh, listeners, to keep on uh, listening to this podcast all the way through. But uh, <laughs> And read our stories <laughs> on the super exciting game. But, uh, you know, it, yeah, it, I think it's probably what the Vikings wanted coming off of that bad loss in Green Bay, one where they felt that they left that one, let that one get away to come back and have a very convincing win against a completely overmatched opponent. I thought, to be honest, I thought the Raiders – would put up a little bit more of a fight. Um, you, you see, they beat Denver in week one, and I, I just thought that there would be at least a little something there, and they just didn't have anything for the Vikings. Um, you, I think you wanted to see Kirk Cousins bounce back, and he had a good game, but nothing spectacular. Uh, but I think the more and the more that we see this team take the field, the more clear it becomes that, this is Dalvin Cook's team. Right. Like this is as far as, as far they go as far as he's going to carry them. And it's a really interesting dynamic to have that sort of an element in 2019, the year of <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, and all these crazy uh, passing offenses to be really centered around a running game that is proving to be quite dynamic in its own right. Everybody's putting up crazy passing stats around the week. If they're not, they're in search of a quarterback or a head coach who is going to bring them that. And the Vikings now are the only team in the NFL with more rushing yards than passing yards. It's really remarkable what they've done, sort of zigging while everybody else is zagging. But the fact that it's actually working, that Dalvin Cook is continually going for over 100 yards, now leads, uh, continues to lead the NFL in rushing yards. And today, you know, these things probably are not too notable, but... You know, I think it's worth at least pointing out that top billing in the pregame introductions now, which, you know, I'll add was a, a fireless pyrotechnics-less uh, introduction session because the NFL is putting the fire on hold uh, after the incident in Tennessee. But Kirk Cousins, not the last guy out of the tunnel for all of the fans to go crazy for. Not Stefan Diggs, not Adam Thielen. It's Dalvin Cook. This is, you know, who the Vikings offense is centered around. You talked to him today. You wrote about him. How is he handling just, you know, the fact that he is the workhorse right now? Well, I mean, you know, I think we both have gotten to know Dalvin a little bit over these last three years, and he's kind of handling it like he has everything else. He's taken it in stride, you know, whether he's dealing with a serious injury or whether he's dealing with really big success, it seems to roll right off of his back. Uh, he's he, he's kind of humbly passing along the credit to his offensive line, to Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, who are blocking down the field, um, to everyone else. And just basically saying that, you know, he's taking to heart that this team sort of picked him up when he was down over these last couple of years dealing with injuries. And now he feels like he's trying to return that favor. Uh, but when you look at sort of this offense now. And I think that there's a misconception in terms of 
a, a run-centric offense, one that is built around the running game. It's an anomaly in this day and age, to be sure, but it's also proven to be, it's not three yards in a cloud of dust. Right. Like You can hit home runs with Dalvin Cook, uh, as he showed in Green Bay last week, as he showed today. Um, they, they're giving him the ball on second and seventeen. And, and he, he and converted and some he's of converting, them. you know, and, and that's the thing is that he this is not a plotting offense. This is not a just smash mouth offense. This is one that is creating big plays in the running game right now and bringing a different element that way. And, and one that says they are dangerous. Um, it's not conservative. It's like, here, we're going to put the ball in the, our best player's hands and see what he can do with it. The offensive line seems to be taken to it as well. They're opening holes for him and and liking uh, blocking downfield and being aggressive that way. And uh, it has allowed them to put up some big yardage, to score some points, and really to just put the defense in a position where it wants to be. And that's just to be super aggressive and make life miserable for the opposing offenses. So um, through these first three weeks, it looks great. We'll see what happens in Chicago next week against a really, really good defense. But Dalvin Cook placed a really good defense in Green Bay as well and had a good day as well. So um, it just it, it, it's an interesting identity in this day and age of high-flying aerial circus to be ground and pound. But ground and pound is, is proven to be pretty exciting as well. Yeah, and I suppose that was my question, you know, throughout the offseason was, the Vikings hire Gary Kubiak. They bring in Rick Dennison, who has developed a ton of great running schemes. Uh, Kirk Cousins even noted today, go back and look at the great running backs who have come from Shanahan, who have come from Kubiak, Arian Foster, and, and on down the list. Uh, they produce great running backs because this scheme opens up good holes. But I think my question was, in a league where Sean McVay is playing more 11 personnel with three wide receivers than, than ever before, and, and teams are mimicking that, like... An NFL team this year hired Sean McVay's pass game coordinator, not his offensive coordinator, just somebody who was loosely attached to him and knew, you know, his, the intricacies of his passing game, that that was the way that this was going. I wondered if this could still be successful. And I think so far it has been. And I think you'll even see more teams doing some of the concepts that the Vikings are doing, not that they'll run quite as often, but the Vikings have used a lot of personnel with uh, two running backs with a fullback out there in, in C.J. Ham and multiple tight ends. They've very rarely ever had three wide receivers on the field. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan, who, you know, fittingly because of who his dad was, is doing a lot of that as well in San Francisco. Um, and, and it really is working. So I guess what remains to be seen is whether, you know, the Vikings can continue to be a running team throughout um, but the big question for next week is what they do in Chicago against that great defense. Yeah, and what I'm kind of wondering right now, Chad, is um, if this uniqueness to their offense is really a benefit for them right now in terms of, you know, you're a Nebraska fan. Like, you think of all the teams that you know, all, all over the years, okay, you're, you're facing these spread offenses or you're facing these um, I-formation offenses and then you go and face the wishbone right. and how different that is to practice against Remember for and prepare like for. the last 10 years, how many teams struggled against Georgia Tech of all teams exactly. just because they played so different than everybody else that, did. That's right. And so maybe because um, so many defenses are really being designed now to stop the aerial offense to, to be able to cover three and four wide receivers at a time to be maybe a little bit leaner and smaller 
to be more athletic and chase down uh, these these receivers down the field um, that maybe they're not quite as equipped anymore to go and just put on your brass knuckles and say, okay, we got to go stuff this running game. And it could be an adjustment. Now, I think that, yeah, they're going, they're still, I, I still believe there are going to be weeks where Kirk Cousins is going to have to throw 35 times to, to win the game. And that will come up. But I do think that they are becoming such a unique attack these days. You, you talk about it, like Arian Foster, Terrell Davis, those guys are long gone from the league. It's been a long time since defenses have, have had to gear up for something like this. And so it may take a little while to get the book out on them. And the question will be, once they do get a little bit better handle on it again, can the Vikings still stay with that and still keep having success in the ground game that way? Or will they have to pivot? And uh, that's why I guess we'll, we may find out as early as next week in Chicago, because I don't think anything is going to come easy against those guys. Certainly not. You bring up Kirk Cousins. We have to talk about him. He's been the story really all week after his worst start with the Minnesota Vikings uh, last week in Green Bay, possibly, arguably, probably caused the loss, you know, when, when everything was going right through the incredibly costly interception. This week, he's in the middle of, of the week says, if I keep playing like this, I'm not even going to be the starting quarterback around here. Uh, then, you know, not that it matters much, but isn't introduced last coming uh, out in pregame introductions. Very first play goes to hand it off to Dalvin Cook, trips over his center's feet, uh, a play that could have, you know, it, it's funny to look back at this because the Vikings won by 20 points and, and it seems like such nothingness now, but Kirk Cousins is fumble prone, I think we can say. Yes. If he fumbled on that play oh where he's... Going back to give the ball to Dalvin Cook, trips over Garrett Bradbury's feet. If he fumbles there, the Raiders have outstanding field possession. I mean, this game could have very quickly felt reminiscent to the Buffalo Bills game. So I suppose credit is due that the Vikings kept it in control. Yes, they were aided by some penalties on that first drive, but the Vikings were in control throughout. It never had the feel of the Bills in week three a year ago. So uh, Cousins on the whole, I think a, a good, not great day, 15 of 21, 174 passing yards, one touchdown. What did you make of his game today? Yeah, I mean, it was he was efficient. Um, he played mistake-free, which is good. But if people were hoping to see 300 yards and three touchdowns as sort of an emphatic, hey, I'm putting that sweep behind me, they, they weren't going to get that. And I don't know that they're going to get that while this offense and this running game is humming the way that it is. But, um, you know, the, the, the interesting things about the locker room and post game for me were both Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins both said variations of, we're starting to find out what kind of team we are. And clearly that team is Dalvin Cook first and foremost, and then we'll kind of, everyone else will feed off of the table scraps that are created from his presence in his uh, in his game, and so um, he was. At that said, Kirk Cousins was in a no win situation because if he comes in and throws for four hundred and four touchdowns, who cares? It's against the Raiders, right? You know, he has still yeah. hasn't beaten the team with a winning record. Blah blah blah, and do it against the Bears. So um, this to me was almost like 
not, not a can't win game for Kirk Cousins, yeah. but he had a ton to lose yes. and not a lot to gain. And he didn't gain too much. It was a fine, he was a decent game manager on a day that he needed to be a decent game manager. And it he didn't lose anything. It could have been a horrible game yes. though. And it could have really, I think, spiraled things. And he prevented that for, you know, at least a week. And now he goes forward to the bigger tests. Uh, but this could have been disastrous if he played the same way that he did against Green Bay. Uh, and he did not. He did talk after the game about one point that I thought was sort of interesting. The fact that last season he had two 1,000-yard wide receivers in Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. And now neither of them are on pace for 1,000 yards three games in. No Vikings player has a 100-yard receiving day just because of how you know the first three games have gone. Um I don't know that it would have mattered a ton. He basically said that, you know, as long as we're winning, I don't think people are going to, you know, care. Everybody just wants to win. I do think it's worth noting that Adam Thielen's gotten paid. Stefan Diggs has yeah. gotten paid. That probably helps, um, you know, the fact that they're not going to get, it seems, as many targets as they were a year ago. If they were in a contract year and they were never getting thrown the ball, I think that could have become a bit more of an issue. Yeah, I think that's a huge point, Chad, is what you, I mean, the fact that they have both gotten big, big contracts in this last year and a half or whatever it has been um, is huge to kind of keep everyone relatively happy. They're always going to be competitive. They're always going to want the ball in their hands and feel like they're open even when they're not and that they should be carrying the load, all of those things. But given that their futures are both secured, uh, that should help bring some harmony to this offense. And obviously, too, if you win like they did, there will be a little bit less griping and, and, and grousing that goes along. But um, had yeah, if either one of them were playing for that big contract and were looking for that, that's where real problems could start to seep in, whether you're winning or you're not winning. And that's when, if things are going, if they have hit some adversity, over the course of this season, whether it's next week or down the road, that's where it's harder to pull everything together. Um, but yeah, given A, their contracts, and then B, the other thing that I think is is something that helps the Vikings here in this approach is that I really think that everyone just thinks the world of Dalvin Cook. Mm -hmm. Like they, they love him as a teammate. They know he's been through a lot. They know he's a really hard worker and a fairly humble guy and... And so they are relatively okay with sharing that spotlight, just given the kind of person and teammate that he's been. And so that, again, also contributes to probably a little bit better chance of them maintaining some sort of equilibrium for, you know, while they go through with this very unconventional approach uh, than you would say if, you know, we've seen with Randy Moss here in the past <laughs> and others that it just does not go as well. And through this unconventional approach, I do think it's worth noting that Kevin Stefanski, I think, has shown to be a very good play caller. Mm -hmm. he, he did, you know, call the plays the last three games after the Vikings fired John Filippo, but there were a lot of questions. I don't think you really know what you have in an offensive coordinator until you can get a bigger sample size. And for the most part, through three games, he's had his team, his offense, in a position to win the game all three games. They've done it easily in two of them and, and probably should have in the other. And 
he's sort of been the guy that nobody's really talking about. And if you're an offensive play caller, that's an awesome thing. You, you want to stay out of the headlines. You don't want people talking about you. Uh, but quietly, you know, people are talking about the zone scheme that Kubiak has brought and the great running game of Dalvin Cook. The defense is doing well. Quietly, Kevin Stefanski, I think, is proving to be a very good offensive coordinator. I agree with you. And like even going back to last week where some people questioned if he should have called a passing play in that situation where Kirk Cousins was intercepted, I thought it was a great call. I mean, I thought that given the way that the game was going, that is the time to go play action, try and catch them on their heels and see if you can make a play. And Cousins just made a really poor decision. But today um, in this Raiders game, I thought that you know, the, the little handoff to Thielen for the touchdown was nifty, kind of like a Pat Shermer-esque right. type of play call where there's a little bit of trickiness to it. Uh, the, the play action to Thielen for the touchdown was good. Um, then, you know, also I think that one thing that Kirk Cousins does deserve some credit for as well uh, coming out of this game that was rather underwhelming is he did say, and I do believe him in, that there were instances where he was checking to run plays, um, just given the looks that the defense was giving. And so that says that he has confidence with Kevin Stefanski and a good you know, kind of uh, cohesion going there where um, he feels comfortable and, and just confident enough in himself and is standing that, hey, okay, I see that the, this front is open for run. I'm going to check to it, even if I might right. want to throw the ball. So um, those things are, are, are all very promising so far. There has not been, again, small sample size, but there has not been through three games really many instances where you go, you know, what were they thinking there? What, what was, you know, what was, the, wrong, what was the, the thought process or the logic there? I think everything's been making sense so far, and that is a good sign. You figure that will only pick up and get better as the year goes on, as everyone gets a better feel for each other. Yeah, Kirk wasn't asked to make the great pass like he was in Green Bay over the top to Stefan Diggs, and he also didn't make sort of the boneheaded pass that he did in the end zone to Stefan Diggs. Thielen, the Thielen, the, the Thielen was pass good. was very good. And, you know, really, I think what was missing from the Green Bay game, it was one of those play actions where Cousins rolled out sort of on a bootleg where he's proven to be, I think, a very good player, uh, that interception aside in Green Bay. But Green Bay did something different where their defensive ends didn't crash down and try to stop the run. And perhaps that was why Dalvin Cook was so good. But they had those defensive ends roll out unconventionally to try to stop Kirk Cousins. And when a more conventional team like the Raiders did not do that, I think he showed to be, you know, very good uh, in those rollout situations. The pass to Adam Thielen, he, he's you know, rolling one way, stops, plants his feet, throws the entire other way. Uh, he wasn't asked to do a ton, but that was a very good pass on a pretty good day uh, for Kirk Cousins. And, um, you know, as long as he's doing that, I, I think the Vikings are going to have a chance to win a lot of games. And you, and it was nice to see him get Irv Smith involved as well, because, yeah, you know what I mean? Look, uh, you know, we Chad Beebe, I think, got hurt again, right? But um, also has just been a non-factor they're not running many um, three wide receiver sets partially because I don't think they have a third receiver they really trust in that situation all that much. And Kevin Stefanski has said a lot in the preseason even that they felt that they weren't as concerned with their depth at wide receiver because of their, their strength at tight end and their ability to make plays down the field with Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph. And today you saw a little bit more of what Smith can bring to the table. And so... Um, they don't need to go out and get Antonio Brown right now if Smith is going to be able to make those kinds of plays and be that kind of threat down the field that he was today. Yeah. 
Let's flip to the defense now. Derek Carr had sort of a a quintessential Derek Carr game, uh, a horrible decision early on that resulted in an interception for Harrison Smith. 27 completions, 34 attempts, 242 yards. Very much him, a lot of checkdowns, wasn't pushing the ball downfield too much. A lot of those yards even came on the final drive when the Vikings had their backups in and were playing sort of prevent defense. So not a, I just have not been impressed with Derek Carr since his one good season. Uh, Hard Knocks, you know, everybody was super fascinated by Hard Knocks this year because of Antonio Brown and John Gruden. And, and I think, you know, some people were excited about Derek Carr after that Hard Knocks series. I'm just not impressed with this Raiders offense, really the whole team, but this offense especially. No, not at all. And, and you know, I think especially it was so big for the Vikings to get up early because that also took Josh Jacobs out yep. of the game. I think he's their one player that you look at as as a factor who can scare you and, and beat you. And when they're up as early as they got, then it was hard for the Raiders to go back to the running game. He only had 10 carries for 44 yards. So that was, that was a really good. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the hard knocks thing is just unbelievable because, I mean, when you watch that series, you thought, man, this Keelan Doss is going to be, what a diamond in the rough. Holy cow. And then he gets cut, you know, and, and, and it's, and so Derek Carr, same way they portrayed him as, you know, this veteran quarterback who has a great feel. They, the first year with Gruden was a little rough, but they're on the same page now and communication and all this stuff. And, and he's really going to have a breakout season. And, um, boy, it, it just has been really underwhelming so far. And yeah, there was an, all of that, you know, you look at the numbers and they're not bad, um, but it was all fool's gold com- because he, he picked it all up in, in garbage time. And so there was never a point where he made a throw. And he, you know, the one, the one thing I will cut him some slack on is the um, Darren Waller looked really good. Yeah. And he, the one drop that he did have was, Kind of down the sideline, Derek Carr made a perfect throw to him. If he catches that, maybe they can cut the lead to uh, 21-14 at the time, and maybe it's a slightly different ball game. But um, but other than that, he just didn't do anything that said, "Boy, um, this guy's going to be a good player for the for the rest of the year." This has got somebody that we have to be concerned about. Waller is the only guy really they have in their passing offense. Uh, Carr targeted him 14 times, and he got 13 of those passes. Great game for him. Uh, as far as the Vikings' defense was concerned, two things were of note. Anthony Barr did not play because of an injury, but Mike Hughes did return, of course, the 2018 first-round pick who missed uh, most of last season after week four because of an ACL injury, a pretty gruesome injury. He came back today, played 37 snaps, uh, missed a couple tackles, Mike Zimmer said, but mostly you know, Zimmer was just pleased that he was out there. Uh, was back to playing like himself and, and you know, beginning to develop those reps before a much more important game next week. As far as the linebackers were concerned, whenever you're without Anthony Barr, that's going to be a very big loss. But that said, the linebackers were great today. Yeah. Eric Kendricks was outstanding. And then Anthony Barr's replacement, Eric Wilson, two sacks, led the team in tackles. He was great. So on a day that you needed your linebackers to play well, they were outstanding. Yeah, and, and Eric Wilson has been really good on special teams, and so this was a real chance for him to show that he could maybe be a little bit more, and I thought he really acquitted himself well. Um, there was a couple of times where I think he could even made one or two more tackles that he put himself in position and just didn't quite close the deal on, but all in all, a really great uh, performance from him. Kendricks, 
was an animal. I thought Everson Griffin was really good again. Once again, yeah. Um, with that spin move, um, Colton Miller. I mean, he just abused Colton Miller all game. And so um, he was really good. Harrison Smith had the pick. You didn't really even see much of Rhodes or Waynes because they didn't really need um, to to – they weren't really tested. And so, yeah, all in all, um, a good defensive effort and one that took advantage – of the fast start from the offense to be able to kind of dictate the rules of engagement a little bit more. And I think that really a wise decision by the Vikings to let Anthony Barr sit out this game. I mean, he tested the, he tested everything, the groin beforehand. And obviously they made that decision that not quite ready yet. They know that they're going to need him more against the bears next week. Although that bears offense doesn't scare me much more than the Raiders offense does. Um, But they'll, they'll probably need to, you know, pitch, close to a shutout or 10 points to to give their offense a chance to win the game. But good good idea on them to kind of try and preserve it for a game that you might need him a lot more in. And with Hughes, you know, it is going to take some time for him to knock the rust off. But to that he was able to play 37 snaps, I think, is a good sign. Like, you know, got you know, he was able to get some really good work in. And then, you know, they'll be able to ease him back um, in a little bit more over these next couple of weeks. But they do need him out there because their their defensive back depth is, is pretty depleted right now. Yeah. Vikings limited the Raiders to three of 11 on third down. They were up 21 to nothing. Game was pretty well out of hand. So a mostly uh, boring, easy win for the Vikings. So with all of that said, before we let you go, we got to move on now to Bears week. The Bears play Monday night, so we don't know exactly how they looked in week three. But what have your early impressions been of the Chicago Bears, the defending NFC North champions? Yeah, I mean, I wish Yeah, I don't have any like kind of big epiphanies that I think other people haven't said so far, but defense looks really good. Um, But Boy, Trubisky really looks shaky offensively. I mean, you think you have you know, issues with Kirk Cousins right now. Um, <laughs> Trubisky's looked even, even worse than Kirk Cousins. And so um, when you look at that, when you look at the running game, I like that they got David Montgomery a little more involved last week than they did in the opener. But um, that's an offense so far that I don't see how they hurt the Vikings defensively. I just don't. And... And so unless they flip a switch and Trubisky pulls something out of his rear end, which Bears quarterbacks have done for years and years against the Vikings, especially at Soldier Field. He did last year. Yeah. He didn't make a ton of plays, but he ran. He scrambled a mm-hmm. little bit. It was the game that he got hurt. Harrison Smith hit him uh, while he was sliding. He didn't like the play. Matt Nagy didn't like the play. But um, he's a guy who I- I'm not that impressed with, but... I do think he can hurt the Vikings a little bit just with how good he is mobily. Uh, but it also kind of feels like a game that could be won 10 to seven or something crazy. Like Without that. question, it could be that. But yeah, like what I, my caveat that I always look at is I don't care who is playing for the Bears. Whenever the Vikings go to Chicago, they just mm-hmm. seem to not play well. And I mean, yeah, they've had some wins over the years, but I mean, that is a place that they go and they show up and they lay egg after egg after egg. And so and weird things happen. The yep. clock didn't work or yep. stopped working or whatever it was for Teddy Bridgewater. In yes. 14 or 15 or whatever it was. Just not a great place no. uh, for, for the Vikings. So until they until they actually go there and just really play well and come out with a clean, crisp victory, I'll kind of believe it when I see it. But that said, I'm not 
going into that thinking that the, that the Vikings are going to have to score 27 points to win. Yeah. Well, that will do it for another episode of the Straight Cash Podcast. We'll have plenty more on the Chicago Bears in our Thursday bonus episode available to subscribers. If you're not yet a subscriber, you can do so for 40% off at theathletic.com slash straight cash. And before we go, we also wanted to mention another podcast on the Athletic Network, our twins podcast with Zach Pierce and Dan Hayes. Puckett will do it live. Episodes twice a week on the Twins as they head into the playoffs. Don't miss that one. Thanks for listening.